Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Got a great episode for you today. It's one we did last year and one we wanted to repeat this year because this contains a methodology that I'm really excited about. And we did this last year with Charlie Vanneman. It's draft success scoring. So a way to score draft success. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Ken. All right. Great to have you back on this. And and some exciting things happened over the course of the last year in terms of your draft scoring methodology. Some changes at the top, not necessarily exciting for the Ravens. Obviously, you don't want to give it all away, but uh, you also made a, a couple of minor changes to the methodology, which we're going to talk about at least in an abstract way. Uh, for people listening to this on a podcast, it's also available in video form. So if you want to go to YouTube or watch it from your computer, you'll be able, you'll be able to do that and see some of the charts we're going through. Uh, we're going to also try and explain what the, what's on those charts so that folks can get a good idea about it, even if you're listening in your car. Uh, but Charlie, why don't you start us off here and, and talk a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish with this methodology? Well, going back, uh, the Ravens have a reputation of being a good drafting team. And I was looking for some way to substantiate that. I was looking for what are the evidence. And in order to provide evidence, you have to have some way of keeping score. So I started looking at information that was available on the uh, pro football reference. And I see, see something that attaches a value of the player. So if you're, you're looking at the draft as a, a process of you're converting Jimmy Johnson draft value to uh, the value of the player that you pick, there, we need some way of attaching JJ points to the value of the player that we pick. All right. And to the value of the pick itself in terms of what players are, are picked in what slot, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so simply a net score would be you take the, uh, the points of the player and you subtract the points of the, the pick. So, uh, and you come up with a net score and I would say, uh, in, in terms of keeping score, a plus is good and a minus is not so good. So as we looked, looked, at it, we realized we had to do an additional adjustment because if you if you take the value of the pick, the top value of the pick, three thousand points, mm-hmm. and uh, you look at the value, the top value of the player being three thousand points, if the uh, the the pick would have to be perfect to net a zero, right. So, so, so this, and, this is an important point, Charlie. I need to interrupt you for a second. The, the key process that Charlie is going through in determining whether a player was worth a pick is he re-ranks each entire draft by AV, and it's by career AV he uses from pro football reference. So each of these drafts he's gone through, and it didn't, it didn't matter that Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round if he's the best player from that draft. And actually, Tom Brady's a bad example because he's not in, the, not in the set. 
because this is this is the uh, uh, the 2005 to the current, or, or well, actually, Tom Brady is in the set for the 1996 to the current, isn't he? So he he looked at each player in any given draft, and so in in 1996, for example, is a good one. I believe Ray Lewis was the best player taken in that draft, the number one overall player uh, taken. So his re-ranked value is 3,000 JJ points, or his number one. Let's not let's not put a value on it yet. And then you have to look at uh, what is the average value of all number ones taken over the years to really value that Ray pick, um, even based on that re-ranked level. Now, that was a, that was a mouthful there, Charlie. Uh, why don't you take us through that in terms of the re-ranking methodology? Maybe reinforce that. Okay, we're looking at the uh, the the point value of the actual players that were picked first, for example. So if the player uh, the pe- player was uh, actually ranked seventh, he would be, I don't know, 1,500 points or something like that. And so you, you take all of those, that all of the performance of those players picked on that number, the That's first not- pick, the second mm-hmm. pick, all the way down, and you've, determine an average and we call we we will call that the expected jj from that point from that uh, draft position and we use that to subtract from the 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 player's actual jj points and we'll call that our net win loss okay so here's what i want to do i want to bring that up on the screen so people can see it and we're going to talk about it a little bit. If you're listening on a pod, uh, you know, I think you'll be able to follow this. And Charlie has graciously offered to share these files with anybody who'd like to who'd like to talk to him about it. Um, but anyway, if if you can see the screen right now, or even if you can't, pick number one has an average JJ value of sixteen hundred and twenty-four. What does that mean? That means that the average number one pick was somewhere between about the, I think about the third and the fourth pick in the draft, right? Or maybe it's the fourth and the fifth pick in the draft uh, in terms of being where they are on a re-ranked basis. So we can talk about what 1,624 JJ points is worth, but I think number four might be worth 1,800. You happy to be looking at it? Let's see. I'll bring it I up. Think it's, I think it's closer to seven. Okay. So it's about the, the number one pick ends up being approximately – in, in in average points of the re-ranked JJ value being worth about the seventh overall pick. So if you do, if you get better than the seventh best player in the entire draft with the number one pick, you did better than average. If you get worse than the seventh, you did worse than average. If you did about the seventh, you probably did about average. Um, and that is like stands out among all the players. The number one pick in in the re-ranked scoring that Charlie did really stands out. Charlie, what do you attribute that to? Uh, taking a, a franchise quarterback. So most it's mostly franchise quarterback value. Franchise quarterbacks rack up tons of AV. Uh, they're locked into jobs for a long time. They often have long careers as backups, even if they, they don't end up uh, being the guy. But mostly as franchise quarterbacks end up having big advantages in the AV scoring method. That's correct. Yeah. Now, if you pick Kyle Kyle Bowler, uh, not so much. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> There's no no advantage in picking the wrong one. Yeah. So so and then what strikes me about your your scoring the 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 uh, JJ re ranked scoring method is that the player you're expected to get between two and ten is not as different as I would have thought. I would expect JJ value has a very sharp cliff in terms of valuation, but really number one has a tremendous, tremendously more value than the rest of the spots. But then numbers two through 10, all pretty darn similar in terms of value. You're still at about 80% of the number two value when you get down to number 10. Right. And so it sort of, it demonstrates that if you're picking second, doesn't mean that you're going to get the second best player in the draft. And I, I think there's a, we sort of look at that the value of the, the point value of the pick is going to lead you to 
getting uh, that value of player, and that's not necessarily the case. All right. This is a, it's just a fascinating methodology. It's very different from all the others I've seen in, in terms of how you do it. But the, 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 the heart of this is this re-ranking uh, that Charlie's done of every year's draft that's, uh, that's uh, pretty darn cool. So do we want to talk about some of the great draft picks in Ravens history at this point? Would that be the next thing to look at? We can do that. All right. Let's 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 bring that up on the screen. And I'm going to we, – we've had a little bit of technical difficulty trying to do that, but I'm going to remove this valuation and we will – oops. We will present a share screen and go to some of the great Ravens draft picks of all time. This has, I believe, all of the Ravens picks. So if you're looking at the screen now, and I'll make this a little bigger for everybody. If you if you happen to be looking at the screen now, you'll see a um, a, uh, a valuation of each pick going all the way back to 1996. It's always fun to start with the first couple because they were two of the greatest in Ravens history, John Ogden and Ray Lewis. And there might be something to say about each of these that's a little different. Because I mean, I think I think most people would say, oh, maybe Lewis was a little bit better player than Ogden. But Lewis was a lot better draft pick by the Vanneman scoring method, we'll just say. Do you want to talk, speak to that? Okay. Well, first thing is Ray Lewis uh, is the top player of that year. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Ogden had a toe problem and very easily could have been a couple of uh, steps higher, which in at that level, of course – one step is 400 points or one step. What is JJ points? About, about 400. Yeah. If he was third, he'd be 2,200. If right. he was, if he was second, he'd be 2,600. So, so we have that kind of on screen here for those players. And I have it just highlighted there. Ogden was the fourth pick and the sixth ranked player which is still a big win. We just we just talked about you know drafting number one, and and you'd be doing a, okay if you if you get the seventh best player in the draft. So if you draft number four and you get the sixth best player in the draft, you've done really well. Uh, by the way, I got his first autograph. First John Ogden autograph ever. I I caught. I I'm, I maintain that it's it has to be the first. I caught him at the airport. I was there to pick up my wife. Mm-hmm. And it was this guy that looked just like, uh, the, you know, Jonathan Ogden. So I, but I didn't, re- I couldn't tell for sure until I like snuck up to him and everything to see how big he was. So there's, sort of, there's nothing creepy about this. <laughs> yeah, he was he was wearing he was wearing a, a you know, Bermudas and a and a t-shirt, and had a little bag with him and everything. So he was just reporting for his interview and everything. Oh, that so is he cool. signed, okay. you know. He signed Jonathan Ogden Ravens. So at any rate, that's an, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But uh, and now, now they're I all appreci- signed with their number. And I, and I appreciate the the color coding that you did on this. It, it to me, if you've, you're interested in the Ravens draft, you really need a color color coded version of this. So uh, it's so uh, any rate. I think Excel. It's a pretty basic function here, anyway. So yeah. Ogden fourth fourth pick. Sixth rank, great pick, still worth 492 Vanaman points, we'll call them. And that's just to, to, to work through that, that's 1600 minus 1108 of expectation, right? So 1600 of JJ points for being the fourth best player. Right. 1108 of expectation. Right. And actually, he got 1600. He was the sixth rank player. If you look at our, our uh, columns here, we have the pick. Then we have the rank of, and that's the rank of the player, mm-hmm. and and there and th- those are the uh, the the different career AV. He had twenty ninety five career AV, and that that was ranks him ranks him sixth. All right, and that's the that, that and then the player AV is the points that he gets for that. Uh, you notice that Jermaine Lewis is a plus. You know, I, I think we need to note that the as you get some. Oh, well, he was a very high pick too, so he gave us some pretty good points. He was a fifth round pick. Oh, oh, Jermaine Lewis. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. 
Oh, Ray Lewis. We're going to talk about Ray Lewis now. No, I'm talking about Jermaine Lewis as being a, a, a minor plus in an area where the expected is actually higher than the JJ points. So it, when you get to the middle, more middle rounds, getting a plus value is actually pretty good. Yeah, always, always nice to, uh, well, always nice to get value anywhere, I, I guess. But you're, you're, you always have a possibility of getting a great player in a late round. Tom Brady, the big example. But for the Ravens, maybe Adelis Thomas is one of the really big examples of a player who is, you know, a first round talent drafted in the sixth round. A hundred percent true. Where's where's Adelius? We'll bring him in here. A thousand seventy-one positive here. So he was the hundred eighty-sixth player taken, and he was actually the thirteenth when re-ranked it by your method. Yes. All right. So that was oh, exciting. No. Uh, unbelievable. He was the uh, for a couple for a, a couple of years. He was the top AV defensive player in the league. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing. I I remember being at the game and seeing him play, a, at least a snap or two at single high. At single high, yeah, he's he definitely was a guy in two thousand five. I've made this point many times, but the Ravens played with only three defensive backs for two hundred and sixty five plays that year, and the reason was that that Adelis Thomas. Uh, and, and it was a decimated secondary, but Adelis Thomas was forced into a safety role, a strong safety role, really. Uh, so that was that was great. They had Deion Sanders playing uh, at free safety or Ed Reed at times, and they had uh, Roll and McAllister playing on the outside. But you know they they played a lot of three defensive back football that year, and amazingly we were able to get away from it. And and ninety percent of that is due to due to. Uh, 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 Adelis Thomas. The other ten percent is probably due to Bart Scott and what a great coverage linebacker he was. Now, uh, Eric DeCosta recently said you don't have to have a lot of players to have a good draft, and he was talking about the nineteen ninety nine draft, mm-hmm. where he had only four players. But you can see that all those four players, three of the four players, were outstanding players for us. So. And and I wish the, the that entire sentence were true because the, the the for us is not what Brandon Stokely. Brandon Stokely played his career elsewhere and derived a lot of that value, which is one of the things, by the way, about draft scoring that I don't think we completely get yet. Because Brandon Stokely, most of his value was with the Broncos, with the Colts, right? He played both those teams. I'm trying to remember yes. who he played longer for, but I think he was with the Colts longer. But but anyway, the the um he, he didn't really play. He didn't really do that much for the Ravens in his, in his years from 1999 to 2002. Um, and that is one of the questions, you know, about draft scoring is should you really give credit for all of the market value years that come after that first draft? I mean, obviously you drive a ton of value from a player in his first four years. It, you also get some market frictions in terms of that player staying with the team, whether it's the franchise tag that we've just seen with Lamar or other things um, uh, that may cause them to take a hometown discount, a lower contract after three years that may be team-friendly to get more guarantees. Um, it, there's various ways that you can benefit from drafting the player, but you better get most of your value in that first four years that you have that player or you don't. It, it's it's questionable whether you're really getting value out of that draft pick. Yeah, now uh, what you say is completely true is, we're really talking about how good of players you're drafting, not necessarily the value that you're getting for for, for drafting good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the those some of the players, Stokely, I think, is an example. Stokely looked pretty good. I don't know, know exactly what his in, injury history was, but he looked pretty good coming out of the box mm-hmm. in terms of quickness and being like uh, what has become the prototype of that slot receiver. Yeah. So uh, if you, you know uh, the number on the far right there, that 1190, it, those, the two figures that are that are t- to the right of the player scores are the running score of the plus or minus of the player. The players have been drafted 
and the the score to the right of that is the net score for that draft. So the first draft is a, the second. The first draft is twenty seven thirty plus would be the second best draft in Ravens history. Huh. And and it would be even if even if you. In real life, it probably was the second best, if not the first best. But uh, the 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 number reflects twenty seven thirty reflects the the number in the that number in the draft, and you can see minus twelve thirty for the nineteen ninety eight draft. When I look and, at these three highlighted numbers in column I, which are the the re ranked positions of McAllister, Stokely, and Mulatalo, they're twelve thirty one and thirty. So the Ravens effectively, in four picks, drafted three players with first-round talent, quote unquote, uh, in terms of the of the re-ranking of these players from one to thirty-two, oh, from one to two fifty, whatever. That's that's correct. Now I I think most most people that follow the the draft really closely realize that that from the mid twenties to the mid forties, there's not a lot of difference there that uh you know when you're talking about like a first round draft pick you're really talking about somebody that's in the top half of the first round in in people's minds what i consider what uh, what they consider this player plays like a first round draft pick it probably wouldn't include 32 people every year it probably would include more like 12 yeah, they're, you know, we see these, you know, in terms of when pre-draft, I, I think I agree entirely. You know, there's 15, 17 players that that have a tr- quote unquote true first round grades, which means their consensus, they'd be a number one grade. They'd be a number one draft pick every year is the usual definition I hear applied to that. But not, but some players in the 20s who were drafted in the 20s or you know late 20s in particular, they're not necessarily they wouldn't necessarily be a first round pick every year. And I think what's interesting is there's been a recent trend to see a lot of articles written on re-ranking drafts. And your methodology does a really good job at looking at this. In fact, a lot of people could just copy this and write the text to go along with it in terms of re-ranking the draft simply by AV. And then they just write the text to justify what's happened. Maybe they make a switch here, a switch there kind of thing to, to say, well, I didn't really think this valued a total. Or maybe they never even talk about AV because they want to pretend like they thought of all this the stuff themselves. But it's, it's, it's one of the things I, I like to look for in a writer is to see how closely he's following the AV track when he writes one of these. And then you know if he's really doing original work himself or if he's basically just you know spewing out an easy article. Uh, that 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 uh, that basically takes an easy way out. Okay, yeah. want to uh, look, take a little path down memory lane, and for some other interesting picks along the way. Sure. Who do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, well, let's talk about the the greatest draft pick, the greatest draft Ravens draft ever. Okay, let's go right to it. So this is also one of the one of the first ones where we really have a pretty good handle on who these players are, right? You didn't you cut it off at some point? No, I didn't cut this off. I updated it right down to 2022 and we can talk about we can talk about that as well is that we have uh, a bunch of players that are right now are very look very minus and what our prospects are for 2023 to turn turn the tables on those things okay that sounds great so we want to talk about 18 first then and then and then go to 22 that's true Uh, interesting thing about hayden hurst though is hayden hurst also turned into jk dobbins yeah so how would you if you wanted to re-rank if you wanted to redo this again and just look at it for the ravens how you how would you allocate value because the Ravens did get a pick back for for Hurst and maybe you know it's a it's a deferred value so it becomes a harder thing to judge but how would you offset that with what's happened in Hurst's career 
I'd have to say I don't know because uh, Hearst to me is a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Very, very talented uh, tight end that was a major part of the Ravens' success in 2019. And apparently he felt like he was being upstaged by Mark Andrews or something like that. And so he, uh, so he wanted to go elsewhere and he never complete, never really found, he never really found his role or, you know, it was, he was a disappointment in Atlanta. And of course he had a, a series of injuries and of course he wasn't DJ Moore who we basically could have had instead of him, mm-hmm. not to mention the person that you always bring up and hopefully we drafted, we drafted that person last year. <laughs> the incredibly in that, if we look at this column here, which is, this is the re-ranked values of all these players. Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson with 32 and he ended up being the best player in the draft. It makes him the best, best draft individual draft pick in Ravens history. I believe at, at present. Now that could change because he might not retain the number one spot from that draft for his entire career. And well, he's in a very tenuous position. He's one AV in, in ahead of Josh Allen. Oh, so, that is tenuous. <laughs> one AV. Yeah. All right, but they also drafted the seventh best player in that draft in Orlando Brown, who they also again becomes complex. They got a lot of value out of Orlando Brown while he was a Raven. Certainly, he was, I believe. Pro Bowler twice in, in his time here. I may be wrong about that, but it's, he, he was, was a very good lineman for three seasons with the Ravens. Got traded before his fourth year, and the Ravens got essentially a mid-second round draft pick in return, uh, which you know you, we can talk about whether or not that, that came to fruition or not. But Orlando Brown was the seventh best player in that draft as you have it re-ranked. But he's the he's yeah, the 83rd player mm-hmm. taken. He's uh, Orlando is like the gift that keeps on giving. He's I don't think that he's ever missed a game in his career. And now he's will have played with uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Yep. So uh, he was a, he w- was a wonderful pick. And look at, at Bradley Bozeman, who. Made, who was a, a center in college, made a position change, and basically, uh, what early in his first year, secured a starting position on a really good team, and maintained that through has maintained a starting position through the rest of his career. So uh, now, once again, we picked two wide receivers in the middle there that sort of typical of our performance. <laughs> now. I'll point anybody back to the draft show after the 2018 draft. I dogged those receivers right off the bat. Those were the worst two picks of the entire draft. I, I knew it then. You can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Lasley uh, could win deep, but he had a drop problem. He, he had a pond problem, too. I don't know if you remember. Uh, he, got, he got kicked off the team more or less because he got upset and threw, threw one of the footballs into that uh, mosquito-infested pond they have out at the campus. Yeah, so they got a, rece- a, a, re- a fast receiver that could not catch. Now, Mark Andrews was somebody that that was a highly visible player. For some reason, he toppled down. Uh, at this stage, we were definitely not looking for a uh, we were looking for a receiver and not a tight end. Mm-hmm. But he was so far head and shoulders as a pass receiver compared to anything that was available at that that level. So that's that's a, uh, that stands out as our uh, by far the best as it stands now, and then we had some good ones. If you look up to the Joe Flacco draft, okay, well let's do that. Go to back to two thousand eight for a second. So then Joe we can Flacco move up to Russell. present. Yeah, we can move. Up. Let's look at the year before that. You can see uh, Ray Rice and Ray Rice. I thought was treated a little roughly here for that terrible incident that he, that he had, but it was an incident. It wasn't, 
it shouldn't have been it shouldn't be his life story but the uh getting grubs in yonda and everything was the ground was a groundwork moving forward to the, once we got uh flacco and rice uh that that sort of sprung those two drafts sprung us forward and i think the one before that we got then we got uh michael o nada Oh, after we got we got Michael Orr in two thousand nine. Michael Orr in two thousand and nine, and Ladarius Webb, another really good player. If mm-hmm. if he hadn't gotten hurt, and you know honestly, Webb was a good player for where he was drafted. Webb was still a great pick, and and it, it's that's a fair representation that he's the 39th best player in that draft. And in that two thousand eleven season, if you were around. He was the best cornerback in the NFL, and that was the height of the Revis era. Uh, nobody thought anybody could touch Darrell Revis, but but Lardarius Webb had a better year in 2009, a 42 passer rating against uh, unbelievable corner, shut down Andre Johnson in the playoff game against the Texans here at home. Uh, just a, a great player. And then our two best uh, busts would be uh, Dwayne Starks, who was like a minus 500. And... Tyus okay. Bowser. All right. So I want to talk about Dwayne Starks for starters, because to, to me, he's the prime example of a guy where it's not it, the, the system is not focusing on the initial four years. And if you he, he, he had 33 career AV, most of that was in his first four seasons. He probably had a little bit after that in his time with Arizona and the Raiders, but it wasn't much. He was basically done as soon as he left Baltimore. He had 20 interceptions with the Ravens, if I recall correctly. 20, it might have been 20 something, but it, 20 but, in four years. 20 in four years. And 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 how many others in the postseason? I couldn't tell you about the yeah. postseason offhand. Uh, he had, he I, had a big one in the Super Bowl that was run back yeah, for six. And, and yeah, I was a couple looking right over it. I was looking right over his shoulder on that on that <laughs> one. He was like right the pass was thrown like right at us in the stands, and he he jumped in there. Yeah. Yeah, we were on the Giants. Really, sideline. really, a really uh, cornerstone of that defense is that they're two uh, corners. And I rem- if remember he got how badly he got mossed by Jimmy Smith, the evil Jimmy Smith from Jacksonville, and like oh the, yeah, we too the beginning of the season and everything. And that was like the last of him getting beat. Yeah, yeah. it's it, but the point about Starks is that. The Ravens got him with a 10th overall pick. They got four fantastic years out of him. Now, would you like to have a career player there? Sure you would. But after 2001, what happened to the Ravens? They they had to purge because of all the salary cap hell they got themselves into. And Dwayne Starks was the primary player they had to let go. And as it turned out, it was the ideal time to let Dwayne Starks go and not sign him long term. So the Ravens, they they licked all the icing off the cake in those first four years. And then they handed it to somebody else, this big slobbery piece of bread for, for them to take. And that was the Arizona Cardinals or, or the Raiders eventually who, who had them. Uh, really, honestly, a, a, a fantastic draft pick, I believe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the minus 488 by your system, just the, the nature of, the, of looking at career value is probably most highlighted as being uh, short of the mark with the Dwayne Starks pick. Okay. Then then the other one that, that, that stands out to me that is a bust according to the system, because you look at in exceptions, mm-hmm. is Tyus Bowser. Okay, let's go to Tyus Bowser here. He's drafted in what, 16, 17, 17. There he is. Mm-hmm. So actually, he's picking it up quite a bit here uh, recently. So he's minus 136, 71st ranked player. Never uh, won a starting position in his four years. Now that he's got it and he stands to play several more years in the league. 
how good is his opportunity to move up in the state in the rankings? Like I, I haven't looked at that draft individually and seen like who's ahead of him. Is it a bunch of offensive linemen? They're still going to be in the league for a bunch of years. Are there a bunch of quarterbacks who are going to roll up tons of value? I, none of them are going to be stopped. But I'm, if I'm he wondering actually, if he actually starts, he'll move up. Okay. Because uh, a lot of guys once once they're first, there's not seventy good players in any draft. They sort of uh, they they do sort of evaporate over time. So that, but he's always he may not be he may not start significantly this year. Okay, so you're you know another another point is that I I think he probably will because the Ravens don't really have another Sam linebacker, but uh, but he's only started one year. He's actually had the starting role for the most games of anybody for the Ravens. There's only been one time he's done that. Um, so I think he probably, he's healthy. I, I imagine he'll probably be the guy this year, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can maintain a starting Sam position for several years. He certainly has the coverage skills to do so. And I would agree with you. I think that's kind of an undervaluation of Tyus Bowser based on the fact that he hasn't been a starter. He's certainly played a ton of high leverage downs for the Ravens. Yes. So I think he's a good example of quality has been a lot better than quantity in his case. Mm-hmm. And he may and he may uh, suffer a little bit this year because of uh, one thing I think for, if we're playing basically four two five base or four one six base, you know I think I, I think we're we're moving a little more toward our two outside people being pass rushers as opposed to looking at them as being Sam, the one as being a Sam. You know, I could be wrong about that, but, and I think that may have tradition that we're looking at. Yeah. Honestly, discussion for another day. As you can see, Chuck Chuck Clark down there, uh, who is a plus, the Ravens have had some, some significant, uh, good picks in in the sixth round I've, I've mentioned this a few times on the show but i'm going to do it one more time um da costa be, maybe because other people say it a lot of people refer to late round draft picks as lottery tickets lottery tickets is the wrong terminology folks the ravens win more than other teams which is part of what charlie's system is showing us here is how often they hit on late round picks relative to other teams. So if we just subtract, if we just look at the sixth round, one thing we see is the Ravens have done very well there. It's not a lottery ticket. It's more like a poker tournament entry where skill matters. And, you know, yes, you can get lucky and win at poker. It's a lot harder to do it that way than it is to be good and win at poker. And I, this, this is something I don't like about DaCosta calling his own draft picks lottery tickets. Uh, he wouldn't be making the big money as a GM if they were truly lottery tickets. They are uh, they are um, great poker entries, and he does a great job maximizing the value of those opportunities that he gets. Uh, Eric it usually is a good chooser of words, but I, I would agree with you. Lottery ticket isn't exactly uh, the most appropriate there. Okay. Let's go down to the 22 draft because we want to talk about this and it is way too early to judge this. But Okay, you can see it's a minus 13.22. And you can see like overall since the beginning of the time, the Ravens are still a plus 14,121. And when you consider like the first overall pick is 3,000 points, that's like almost five first overall picks they are ahead of the league average. Right, so let's talk about about the first round pick. The, well, we'll talk about both the first round picks. So Kyle Hamilton um, did not have a starting position, even though he sure as hell had a starting position by the end of the year. He's the starting nickel, yep. and you know you you that's that counts as a starting position in the NFL. And more importantly, it's it's on the field for all high leverage downs. He was actually on the field for almost every snap down the stretch, and. I don't think he's captured very well at an AV of two 
this first year <laughs> at all. So would an AV of seven or eight be more appropriate? Probably. Uh, you know, he certainly had a fine rookie year. Um, you know, if you look at various valuations of the draft or, or, or various looks at the picks themselves, most people would say Hamilton is one of the best picks of the of the first round in terms of uh, getting value relative to slot. Um, but so far, this system does not say so, and and it's 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 not your your problem, Charlie. It's it's the AV itself not accurately measuring Kyle Hamilton in his first year of his career. I would uh, completely agree with that. You know, highlighted by that, that according to PFF, Hamilton had a 91 rating as a safety, mm-hmm. which I believe is the top in the entire league. Right. So mm-hmm. it, the quality of his play was, I mean, we, we've seen what he's playing like. Uh, of course, he had that. He didn't start out all that great. And he was a little uh, lost. And I mean, this too is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum uh, was hurt by playing on a uh, on basically a, a a non-productive offense. Had he be if if he was playing on a, a if he was playing on the 2019 team, he would be a nine or a ten. Even if Lamar Jackson had played the rest of the year, he'd probably be a nine. Because that it, Lamar replacing Huntley in those games would have pushed the Ravens offense exactly. to more points per drive and given them more points to allocate in total of that offense. The allocation for offensive linemen is is at a very fifty thousand foot level. They just say forty five percent of the total points go to the offensive line, and that's because five elevenths is approximately forty five percent. And then they they only adjust that um, by Pro Bowls and All Pro nods. And I, I don't remember what they do for snaps or games, but there, there is an adjustment for that as they well. Don't, they, don't, they don't do snaps, which they 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 do starts. They do, I think snaps would be a lot more appropriate, the snap share. They do adjust for position on the offensive line. And they do they do uh pro 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 bowl and all pro mm-hmm. adjustments. And but the offensive line gets a certain percent of the offensive AV, and the total a, offensive AV, of course, is determined by the efficiency of your total offense. Yeah, points points per drive relative to league average points per drive. So it's it okay. actually the, the methodology at the start is very good in terms of de- deciding how many total points there are to be allocated, and then how they do the allocation is terrible. I mean, it's just it's it, it that needs a lot of work. So it's. Uh, it's uh, I, I love AV. I think it was a great thing to try and do to, to try and get value. It's just it, it it works sometimes. It doesn't work always. And and the stuff they have to do for offensive linemen um, is not is not really that great in terms of of doing it. And, you know, honestly, if Linderbaum were a seven from this first year, which is it, it certainly wouldn't be a terrible place to start. It'd be a very good place to start. And you'd see. He was the 22nd best player drafted in terms of AV. True. He he's he uh, lived up to his his draft rank, and especially f- now for a rookie. And of course, things tra- changed drastically in in week two, uh, year two, year three, especially for uh, guys that sort of sat and l- watched in their first year, and then have a higher possibility of moving into starting roles so that brings us our number to our number three guy exactly what you described was david ajabo drafted 45th and he was the 190th best player in the draft i did actually play a little bit at the end of the year but you're 190 is that the that is the midpoint of the zeros is that correct from this draft uh the they get uh the zeros are organized by the uh the the pick number in other, other words, the first, the highest, the he would be the highest zero. Okay. All right. At so 45. All right. So he's he's actually getting a little bit of a break at this 190 valuation because it's it's yeah, saying, he's getting 50, he's getting 15 points when he could be getting five or right. something like that. Very good. Okay, so it's not a it's not a big break. I'm not I'm not claiming that, but it's yeah. so a minus three sixty six might be a minus three seventy six if he were at the midpoint of that. 
But basically, the Ravens knew they were going to get a minus of almost exactly this level when they drafted him. They probably said anything he does to get on the field this year is a bonus. And that minus, you know, 366, they might have even preferred he was a minus 381. And you know what? That's going to happen with the linemen they drafted. Um, oh, it's, I'm, I'm blanking out. Voorhees this year because he's going to stay on NFI for the entire year, but Ajabo did not. So if Ajabo had stayed on NFI for the entire year, the Ravens would still have four years of Ajabo. And same, they are going to have four years of Voorhees beginning next year Yeah, uh, with that wonderful seventh-round pick, well, sixth round that they traded for a seventh-round pick. Uh, you're saying if, if Ojabo hadn't played at all, they would have gotten the extra year? Yeah, if they NFI'd him for the entire year, then they would have gotten the extra year. Well, that, that didn't seem like a smart thing for him to do than put him in there, did it? I think it was part of the original negotiations. I think it was a, a hotly contested debate. With Voorhees, I don't think it'll be a debate because he's so he's so low in the draft slotting that it um, the same question won't apply. He actually, I think they hurt themselves at about the same time. Voorhees hurt himself at the Combine, and Ajabo hurt himself at his pro day. So they they uh, they happened at similar similar points there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Ajabo, uh, you know, obviously did not completely lose the year developmentally, which was nice to see. Got on the field, got on the board in terms of sacks. And uh, I still look at that number and say the Ravens are not, not that upset about it. But the uh, the year of eligibility, quote unquote, lost and the not ability ability to redshirt him for that year is the is the major cost of of Ajabo's 2022. Yeah, so this is a, a, a promising draft that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like next year. Me too. Uh, who who's the other guy on the on the list? Would you say Travis Jones is a guy you'd expect to 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 bump into a positive number pretty quickly? Uh, yes. And I I would expect him to catch up, but he's not going to get a lot of sacks. There's mm-hmm. there's some defensive t- statistics that really benefit you. A defensive uh, tackle that's basically a run stopper and everything is is not going to like you know cure cancer or anything in the in, in these ratings. Sure, he he'll no. get a starting rating though. He'll get a starting um, yep. year, and that it should starts. bump his. And that should take him. Should should get him into the plus column. Uh, Linderbaum doing better. Ajabo, I think, can turn that around very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can get four hundred points right from there. I I have a little concern about the AV method for uh, for defensive backs. So Kyle Hamilton may not end up getting the credit that. Uh, he deserves for the quality of his play. You know, in in all honesty, I don't really care what the AV method says Kyle Hamilton's worth. I care what what I think he's worth. So <laughs> I think we're going to need we're really going to need a, a top performance from him if we're going to have a top defense because I think we have now we have two starting corners as it stands now that neither of them plays the ball very well. That's a that's a very fair point, even for Marlon. Both very physical corners, and uh, and the the, the playmaking is definitely at slot corner and both safety slots right now. If they uh, if they leave Geno Stone back there, if they get a significant amount of time, that's a that's a good ball hawking second safety there. If they yeah. if they put if they move Hamilton back, your your ball production becomes even more of a problem. Yeah, I th- I think that's one of a reason that they probably, if he was there, would have taken Forbes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't know what's going on with uh, Marcus Peters because he certainly provided that uh, that dimension. All right. Not last year, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. A- actually, he tur- he could have he could have won the won the Bills game if to me that was a kind of a questionable interference call against him because there was two people who were jousting and everything, and for some reason they. And the interception itself had nothing to do with the contact between the two players. Mm-hmm. So, but at any rate, that's a that's a different story. So, so uh, hopefully uh, Hamilton will be able to to uh, make some plays on the ball along with uh, Marcus back there, and, and 
that'll help us a lot. And, and the kid seems like a great kid. It seems like he's somebody that's going to be a, the kind of leader that you want to have in the future. Yeah, definitely seems very sharp and, and uh, uh, we'll see what he could do. He's obviously, he's an interesting player because he's got some of these shortcomings that, that show up pretty much wherever he'd play, but he's got so many positives. I just love him as an underneath safety uh, as a, and, and that might mean he can move to strong safety and come up and play dime on third down uh, or on, on any passing down for that matter uh, and be that Chuck Clark 2019 role uh, just just at, at a very high level, I would think. Um, but it could be that, that slot corner is where he stays for a while until the Ravens can really address that because as of right now, the Ravens have not figured out slot corner at all. And I don't see, I don't see a more logical thing to do than to keep Hamilton at that position. Uh, you want to want to put uh, the team, the overall team scores for the last. Let's do that, and then we'll know. close it out here. Okay, so just taking that off the screen for a moment, and do that, and I will bring up the one additional thing we haven't gone to. Now, let me make sure I'm going to the right team scoring. I think this might be it. This is all value. Okay, so this is since 2005, right? And let me get this, make this bigger yep. so people can see it. All right, T- tell us what we're looking at here. Okay, we're looking at the, the overall team performance using the scoring method that we're talking about. Uh, we're looking at uh, the pick, JJ. The players, JJ, the, the total of the players that you had, what was the league average, and then you're looking at the net score. Okay, so this looks at since this looks at all rounds, every draft. You know, another way to think of it that's very, um, I think, instructive or uh, in, intuitive is that the total number of JJ points gets given out every year. So if the if the the re-ranked players. There is an expectation metric which redivides how those points are allocated by slot, but there's still the same number of total JJ points and total expected value exactly. from all those spots. Okay, exactly. Now you so, look at the teams that are higher in the uh, that are a lot of the better teams. The the league average is going to be higher than their pick value. Because you know you start at the very, very top, which means is you if you're at the very top, uh, you have a net expectation of plus. In other words, your pick value, and is going to be greater than the league average for that. We, we talked about that that as an example. If three, if you had th- a pick value of three thousand, the league average is only going to be sixteen hundred. So let's talk about what this means. This is this is 1996 to 2023. What's done here, right? Or is this 2005? This is 2005. Okay, so this cuts now, out actually a lot of the really good years of Ravens drafting early yes, on. Yes, it does. Okay. It cuts out the Ray Lu- Ray Lewis and the uh, Ed Reeds. Mm-hmm. Can't be the gift that keeps on giving. Now you still have Flacco there. Okay, so this is 19, 19 years from 2005 to 2012. Well, 2000, actually, it's 18 years, right? 2005, 12. I'm using the, the domain of the, the, the longest-serving uh, active player, which not including a punter or a kicker, which would be Aaron Rodgers. Huh. Okay. So this, is like a, this is sort of meant to be a, a, the current way of, of looking at how – how successful we are, not the historic way. Okay, so we looked at we looked at the historic numbers last year, and the Ravens were number one overall in terms of their. They uh, were number one. They were number one overall, and the Steelers were number two, mm-hmm. and I believe uh, the Packers were number three. Those three teams sta- stand out. Seems very reasonable. Seems like to match what has actually happened over these years. So that doesn't seem re- doesn't seem bad at all. But look at 2005 to the present. The Dallas Cowboys jump up to the number one spot. And let's look at that score of 10,132 and, and look at what that means. You've got the player JJ on the re-ranked basis of 42,338. You've got the, the expected JJ based on how you um, 
set the ex- expectation for each pick is 32081. And the difference between those two is 10,132. Now we looked at some individual Ravens pick and Lamar Jackson was worth about 2,400 above expectations because he's 3,000 for being the number one ranked JJ player, less about 600 or so, or maybe it's 500 and something for what you would expect the 32nd pick to be worth based on the historical. That was worth about 2,400 and change. What Dallas has done over the 18 years is basically four Lamar Jacksons better than the league average. That's pretty damn good. As far as their draft performance. Yes. How many Super Bowls do they have in that period? (laughs) Yeah, it does prove prove no matter how good you are in the draft, you can squander that in other ways. And if, if you're looking at even this time period, by far the most successful team is the New England Patriots. So they 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 they're a plus team, but they haven't necessarily uh, been the best drafting team. Eighth, you know, there's nothing wrong with being there. That's a that's a good spot to be in. If if you if you told me the Ravens could be the eighth best for the next twenty years, I take it right now. Wouldn't you? Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. Because it's 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 uh. What 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 would you call it? One of the one of the pillars of building your team. Yeah. I, I and I think we we talked about it. I I don't think that necessarily it has been uh, Eric's the longest strongest uh, area since since he's taken over. I think his ability to uh, find uh, value at at various different levels in putting his team together is, has has been out extraordinary mm-hmm. uh, and he's uh, not afraid he's really not afraid as, as by his last the last draft indicates that so the Ra- ravens are in good standing and get we need we need to get some of our our players on the field i i think the uh i think this the the chiefs have been pretty good at that recently of understanding is that we have a high price quarterback. We, we are going to have to start. We, we're not going to be able to get a, a, an all-star at every position. We're going to have to put some people in there and work, work around the possibility they could fail. Right. I want to go to the other end of the scale here and just show you where teams can be really futile in terms of their drafting. We have three teams there at minus, that really stand out. They're all minus 10,000 or above. And the next worst is only minus 6,600, but Jacksonville at minus 10,600, the Las Vegas Raiders at minus 10,800. We remark every year about a overvalued Ravens draft pick in the early rounds. It's just, it's become a running joke. Uh, And then the Cleveland Browns. And you look at the Cleveland um, number here of minus 11,753. I, do you happen to know what the Jamarcus Russell pick was in 2007 as far as a negative number goes? It had to be can, pretty bad, but I can look it up. But that's it. That's pretty close to. Uh, I think he might have. He he wasn't zero. I think mm-hmm. he might have had like 15. 15 AV that much career. Okay. N- don't worry about it. Don't, we don't need to go into this. But he's, my pretty point close. Is, he's pretty He's as close to uh, zero as you can get during that time period. And he's still on there. So if if he him dropping when he drops off, the expectation from of 1600 might go up to eighteen hundred. <laughs> I think. There's only Probably. been a, a couple of the first round draft picks that are just totally futilely. But he's he's the he's the worst ever number one at least certainly during the period you've been looking at the worst number one overall. Well, yeah, and I think he's got he's got to be the worst over overall because he you know he's a near zero and he's the only so he's he's unrivaled you know he's he's out there communicating his new life and everything recently. So I I uh, I, I want to make my point here is that Cleveland. To get minus eleven thousand seven hundred fifty-three, we talked about Dallas has basically been about plus four Lamar Jacksons. I think Cleveland is something like six or seven um, Jamarcus Russells away from average. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's really it's it's incredible the amount of first round picks that that franchise has blown over the years, and you know it's it, it's you, you see the same teams basically skewing to the outside in this. Uh, if you know how to judge talent, it is a real factor in these drafts. This is not all luck that you get these big skewings over long periods of times in in value. Uh, it's just it's, it's foolish to think so, and that's why another reason why I really hate the lottery tickets. Okay, one of the one of the factors of the teams that are in the top is to have a franchise quarterback. That that helps so to 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 not miss on your franchise quarterback picks. Uh, more than that is uh, the way that AV works is if you got a really good team that wins a oh, lot of games, point. you have a lot more AVs to uh, divide up amongst your guys. Yeah, for, good, good point. For example, I would estimate that uh, our we had about uh, 170 AV in 2021, about 170. We had about 270 in 2019. Uh, so on the offensive side of the ball or on both sides combined? Combined. Okay. And, and the offense was historic in terms of its efficiency. So I would expect that they'd, they'd have a lot of AV to, to, to share in that draft. Right. So, so 270 is, is if, if you're have a, have a good team year in and year out, you're going to be within 210 to 270. And if you have a terrible team, you're going to be like 120 to 140. So you're going to have a lot, a lot less uh, AV to, to. Very valid point. You know. One question I would have is whether having a franchise quarterback and having to pay for it like the Ravens do now, means you're going to have to necessarily be weaker at the other positions, and then that will drop you down. Now, obviously, if you if you just are, are saying you have a great quarterback, not just a franchise quarterback, and you know Joe Flacco was a franchise quarterback, but he didn't provide the Ravens a ton of of offense above average in his years uh, with the team. Look at uh, yeah, look at the uh, top people. Yeah, Joe Flacco was you know, had long jail. Look at, at the top teams again. Mm-hmm. And look at some of the, some of the quarterbacks those teams had over that. We're, we're talking about Drew Brees. We're talking about Roethlisberger. So we are talking about the top of the top. So quarterbacks. The, the, we're not just actually, talking about having a franchise quarterback. When you, when you look at this, the Ravens are really stand out as being the team who got by with probably less quarterback play. Now they've had the Lamar era, which has certainly bumped that back up. But um, if you look at you know Prescott and Romo, uh, Wilson, um, uh, Mahomes, Rogers, and even far before him, uh, the Drew Brees era, then you have the Ravens who've you know been hit and miss on quarterback for for the. Uh, this is 2005 to the present, so a lot of this has been Flacco. But they had Bowler years, they had McNair years at the beginning of this. Uh, then Roethlisberger basically for this entire period, and Brady for most of that period. You really, you really do see that it's that it's dominated by uh, quarterbacks, and the and the Ravens are really the exception more than the rule here in this group. That's true. the The Ravens' defense has has been largely responsible for their success over the years. We always look at, at ourselves as being a defensive team, until maybe this year. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, Ravens it's, fans are like, free us, free us. We want to have an offense for a change. I, I hope, I hope their expectations are met. I really hope so. I, I think there's a, there's a, we got a lot of things to look forward to. But Charlie, we got to cut it off here. I'm You're sorry. Okay. Great discussion here, my friend. This is just a lot of fun to go through this to talk about the methodology a little bit. There's a lot more depth to this methodology, folks. And Charlie and I had a lot of side discussions about you know, replacement level and how do you account for that and would it change the shape of things? And if you want to discuss this with him, he's a great person to go back and forth with. And he also has offered to give these files away if you want to look at them. Um, you could recreate them yourself probably too, but it's a lot of work. And and so uh, uh, it's, a, it's a nice offer. And uh, Charlie, you're available on at Charlie the Raven or I'm sorry, what is your... I'm, I'm Charlie the Raven at Charles Vanneman. Okay, at Charles Vanneman. Sorry. Uh, 
I highly recommend uh, looking up Charlie and getting him involved in your draft conversations uh, uh, when you when you want to talk value. And you can tell from the way he talks about it that he really understands the AV scoring methodology that's underneath that, which, by the way, is important to understand when you're making arguments relative to AV. Very important to understand that. It's worth taking your time going out to profootballreference.com and actually reading through how that methodology works. Because when you understand the, the the guts of it, you get a little bit more of of uh, why certain things are true and why certain players like Kyle Hamilton don't really score as well by it. Very good. Enjoyed it quite a lot. And thanks for uh, sharing ideas. Really, really, you know, most fun person to kind of talk about this is people coming up with their own methodology for grading stuff. Uh, and uh, really appreciate you coming on, Charlie. Other folks out there, if if you'd like to uh, uh, come on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'm open to all sorts of ideas during the offseason for content. Still got that one play open. Did want to mention there is a YouTube video out there with the top 200 Ravens plays of all time. The bulk of those, at least 150 of them, have not been done in the, in the, in the that one play series. Uh, take a look through it if you want. See if anything you remember tickles your fancy and you say, I remember that play. I want to talk to Ken about that. And then hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. Charlie, thanks again for coming on. Okay, thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.